Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad Baruch Shem Kehud Malkuto Le'olam Va'ed Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of the glory of His kingdom forever and ever. Amen. Good morning, Mishpacha. Welcome to the Daily Audio Torah. I'm Laura Densmore, your host, and I'm so glad you're joining in with me today. Today is Wednesday, December 21st. Have you fallen behind on listening in to the Daily Audio Torah because the rush and the busyness of life is pressing in on you from every side? We all get busy, and the enemy wants nothing more than for us to get distracted and neglect spending time with Yeshua in prayer, in worship, and in His Word. Can I share a secret with you that might help? It is about establishing a secret place. Yeshua reveals this secret to us when he said in Matthew 6, 6, But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut the door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. And your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you openly. Let me break that down for you. First, we go into our room. The King James Version says, Go into your closet. It can literally be a closet that you convert into your own secret place. It can be a corner in your bedroom with a special chair on the table where you sit. Next, we shut the door. We shut the door to distractions. We shut the door to tweets and texts and phone calls, TV and other media, and to the cell phone. We're shutting the door to the world, even if only for 20 minutes. Then, we spend time with Yeshua. It's like a date night with Him. He loves it when we take special time and meet with Him in a special place. He is the lover of our soul. And in that special time and place, you can pour out your heart and soul to Him in prayer. I like to write down my prayers in a journal, and then, when I'm done pouring it all out, I pause, I listen, I wait upon the Lord. I wait to hear His still, small, quiet voice speaking to me, and then I write down what I hear. You can light a candle and put on some worship music and just worship Him. You can listen to and read the Word of God. The Word of God is living and powerful and is like a two-edged sword cutting between bone and marrow, between soul and spirit. Do you have a secret place where you can meet with your Master? If not, Why not create a special place where you can spend time with Him, and then go there to meet with Him often? And I encourage you to listen to Daily Audio Torah each day. The plumb line of truth will keep you on track and on target. Are you being blessed by this ministry? Please consider supporting Daily Audio Torah. You can make a one-time or a recurring donation by going to dailyaudiotorah.com and then click on the Give pick on the navigation menu. You can then make a secure online donation there. Thank you for your prayers and thank you for your support. Now let's continue our journey through the entire Bible 
in one year. This week we are reading from the New Living Translation for the Hebrew Scriptures and for the Bread Hadashah. Today we continue the Torah portion, Maketz, and it means at the end of. Genesis 41, 53-42-18 At last, the seven years of bumper crops throughout the land of Egypt came to an end, and then the seven years of famine began, just as Joseph had predicted. The famine also struck all the surrounding countries, but throughout Egypt there was plenty of food. Eventually, however, the famine spread throughout the land of Egypt as well. And when the people cried out to Pharaoh for food, he told them, Go to Joseph and do whatever he tells you. So, with severe famine everywhere, Joseph opened up the storehouses and distributed grain to the Egyptians, for the famine was severe throughout the land of Egypt. And people from all around came to Egypt to buy grain from Joseph because the famine was severe throughout the world. When Jacob heard that grain was available in Egypt, he said to his sons, Why are you standing around looking at one another? I have heard there is grain in Egypt. Go down there and buy enough grain to keep us alive. Otherwise, we'll die. So Joseph's ten older brothers went down to Egypt to buy grain. But Jacob wouldn't let Joseph's younger brother Benjamin go with him for fear some harm might come to him. So Jacob's sons arrived in Egypt along with others to buy food, for the famine was in Canaan as well. Since Joseph was governor of all Egypt and in charge of selling grain to all the people, it was to him that his brothers came. When they arrived, they bowed before him with their faces to the ground. Joseph recognized his brothers instantly, but he pretended to be a stranger and spoke harshly to them. Where are you from? he demanded. From the land of Canaan, they replied, we have come to buy food. Although Joseph recognized his brothers, they did not recognize him. And he remembered the dreams he had had about them many years before. He said to them, you are spies. You have come to see how vulnerable our land has become. No, my lord, they exclaimed, your servants have simply come to buy food. We are all brothers, members of the same family. We are honest men, sir. We are not spies. Yes, you are, Joseph insisted. You have come to see how vulnerable our land has become. Sir, they said, we are actually twelve of us. We, your servants, are all brothers, sons of a man living in the land of Canaan. Our youngest brother is back there with our father right now, and one of our brothers is no longer with us. But Joseph insisted, as I said, you are spies. This is how I will test your story. I swear by the life of Pharaoh that you will never leave Egypt unless your youngest brother comes here. One of you must go and get your brother. I'll keep the rest of you here in prison. Then we'll find out whether or not your story is true. By the life of Pharaoh, if it turns out that you don't have a younger brother, then I'll know you are spies. So Joseph put them all in prison for three days. On the third day, Joseph said to them, I am a God-fearing man. If you do as I say, you will live. If you really are honest men, choose one of your brothers to remain in prison. The rest of you may go home with grain for your starving families. But... You must bring your youngest brother back to me. This will prove that you are telling the truth and you will not die. To this they agreed. Zechariah 1, 
1 to 21. In November of the second year of King Darius's reign, the Lord gave this message to the prophet Zechariah, son of Berechiah, and grandson of Edo. I, the Lord, was very angry with your ancestors. Therefore, say to the people, This is what the Lord of Heaven's armies says, Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of Heaven's armies. Don't be like your ancestors who would not listen or pay attention when the earlier prophets said to them, this is what the Lord of Heaven's army says. Turn from your evil ways and stop all your evil practices. Where are your ancestors now? They and the prophets are long dead. But everything I said through my servants, the prophets, happened to your ancestors just as I said. As a result, they repented and said, We have received what we deserve from the Lord of Heaven's armies. He has done what he said he would do. Three months later, on February 15th, the Lord sent another message to the prophet Zechariah, son of Berechiah, and grandson of Edo. In a vision during the night, I saw a man sitting on a red horse that was standing among some myrtle trees in a small valley. Behind him were riders on red, brown, and white horses. I asked the angel who was talking with me, My Lord, what do these horses mean? I will show you, the angel replied. The riders standing among the myrtle trees then explained, They are the ones the Lord has sent out to patrol the earth. Then the other riders reported to the angel of the Lord, who was standing among the myrtle trees, We have been patrolling the earth, and the whole earth is at peace. Upon hearing this, the angel of the Lord prayed this prayer. O Lord of heaven's armies, for seventy years now you have been angry with Jerusalem and the towns of Judah. How long until you again show mercy to them? And the Lord spoke kind and comforting words to the angel who talked with me. Then the angel said to me, Shout this message for all to hear. This is what the Lord of heaven's army says. My love for Jerusalem and Mount Zion is passionate and strong. But I am very angry with the other nations that are now enjoying peace and security. I was only a little angry with my people, but the nations inflicted harm on them far beyond my intentions. Therefore, this is what the Lord says, I have returned to show mercy to Jerusalem. My temple will be rebuilt, says the Lord of Heaven's armies, and the measurements will be taken for the reconstruction of Jerusalem. Say this also, this is what the Lord of Heaven's army says. The towns of Israel will again overflow with prosperity, and the Lord will again comfort Zion and choose Jerusalem as his own. Then I looked up and saw four animal horns. What are these? I asked the angel who was talking with me. He replied, These horns represent the nations that scattered Judah, Israel, and Jerusalem. Then the Lord showed me four blacksmiths. What are these men coming to do? I asked. The angel replied, These four horns, these nations, scattered and humbled Judah. Now these blacksmiths have come to terrify those nations and throw them down and destroy them. Revelation 12, 1-17 Then I, John, witnessed in heaven an event of great significance. I saw a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon beneath her feet, 
and a crown of twelve stars on her head. She was pregnant, and she cried out because of her labor pains and the agony of giving birth. Then I witnessed in heaven another significant event. I saw a large red dragon with seven heads and ten horns, with seven crowns on his heads. His tail swept away one-third of the stars in the sky, and he threw them to the earth. He stood in front of the woman as she was about to give birth, ready to devour her baby as soon as it was born. She gave birth to a son who was to rule all nations with an iron rod, and her child was snatched away from the dragon and was caught up to God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness where God had prepared a place to care for her for twelve hundred and sixty days. Then there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and his angels, and the dragon lost the battle, and he and his angels were forced out of heaven. This great dragon, the ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, the one deceiving the whole world, was thrown down to the earth with all his angels. Then I heard a loud voice shouting across the heavens, It has come at last, salvation and power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters has been thrown down to earth, the one who accuses them before our God day and night. And they have defeated him by the blood of the Lamb and by their testimony. And they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who live in the heavens, rejoice. But terror will come on the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you in great anger, knowing that he has little time. When the dragon realized that he had been thrown down to the earth, he pursued the woman who had been given birth to the male child. But she was given two wings like those of a great eagle, so she could fly to the place prepared for her in the wilderness. There she would be cared for and protected from the dragon for a time, times, and half a time. Then the dragon tried to drown the woman with the flood of water that flowed from his mouth. But the earth helped her by opening its mouth and swallowing the river that gushed out from the mouth of the dragon. And the dragon was angry at the woman and declared war against the rest of her children, all who keep God's commandments and maintain their testimony for Yeshua. Psalm 140, 1-13 O Lord, rescue me from evil people. Protect me from those who are violent, those who plot evil in their hearts and stir up trouble all day long. Their tongues sting like a snake. The venom of a viper drips from their lips. O Lord, keep me out of the hands of the wicked. Protect me from those who are violent, for they are plotting against me. The proud have set a trap to catch me. They have stretched out a net. They have placed traps all along the way. I said to the Lord, You are my God. Listen, O Lord, to my cries for mercy. O Sovereign Lord, the strong one who rescued me. You protected me on the day of battle. Lord, do not let evil people have their way. Do not let their evil schemes succeed, or they will become proud. Let my enemies be destroyed by the very evil they have planned for me. 
Let burning coals fall down on their heads. Let them be thrown into the fire or into watery pits from which they cannot escape. Don't let liars prosper here in our land. Cause great disasters to fall on the violent. But I know the Lord will help those they persecute. He will give justice to the poor. Surely righteous people are praising your name. The godly will live in your presence. Proverbs thirty seventeen. The eye that mocks a father and despises a mother's instructions will be plucked out by ravens of the valley and eaten by vultures. I want to speak to you today from Revelation chapter 12, and this is probably one of my most favorite chapters in the whole Bible. And why is that? It Because it deals with the subject and a topic that is near and dear to my heart. And it is a much misunderstood chapter. So to give that chapter a little bit of context, I'm going to back up and go back to Revelation 11. And we're looking at the tribulation period right now in this chapter. And we've gone through the first six seals. And now we have the two witnesses who are in Jerusalem. And in eleven, chapter 11, verse 2, But do not measure the outer courtyard, for it has been turned over to the nations. They will trample the holy city for forty-two months. And I will give power to my two witnesses, and they will be clothed in burlap and will prophesy during those 1260 days. Now, that's a huge principle there. The principle is this. How long is the Great Tribulation, period? And over and over and over and over again from multiple teachers, they are always saying it's seven years long. No. It is not seven years long. It's 42 months. It's 1260 days. The beast system and the Antichrist is allowed and granted authority and power to rule for only 42 months. And that's 42 months. That's when the mark of the beast is fully deployed. You cannot buy or sell anything without having the mark on on your hand or on your forehead. That's when the beast system is is ruling and reigning. So these two witnesses in Jerusalem are given supernatural powers. Anybody who tries to kill them, they can send forth lightning and, and do all kinds of supernatural things. So that's our time marker. Now let's jump into Revelation chapter 12. And to understand this, we have to cross-reference it with a couple of other places, which we will go to. But let's just begin in Revelation chapter 12, and we have the description of a woman who is pregnant, and she's clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and a crown of 12 stars on her head. Now let's go back to Joseph's second dream. In his second dream, he had the sun and the moon and the stars bowing to him. Okay? So it's connected to Joseph's dream. She's got 12 stars on her head. What does that represent? It's the 12 tribes of the whole house of Israel. Why is she clothed with the sun? 
Because, beloved, for centuries, the mainstream church, knowingly or unknowingly, got into sun worship. And in the Council of Nicaea, way back in 300 AD, when the early church fathers uh, gathered together and they made decisions, they changed the Sabbath day and decided to divorce themselves from the Hebrew and Jewish roots of the Christian faith. And instead of keeping the Sabbath, they changed the day of worship, the day of gathering, to Sunday. Why did they do that? Because back in that time, in the time of Constantine, they worshipped, literally worshipped the sun and the sky, Invictus Sol. And they wanted to incorporate as many pagan believers as possible in this new Christian faith. And so um, this Sunday worship has its roots in the worship of the sun. Now, we don't condemn the church. Uh, there's many, many wonderful fellowships that meet on Sunday and lots of people who grow and get saved and get discipled and worship and have good hearts. So no condemnation, but it's just we need to understand our history and our roots. Okay, so she's got the moon under her feet. What's that about? Huh? Well, the sliver moon is the symbol of Islam. And if you look at any uh, Arab nation flag, it's always got a sliver moon on it because they are into the worship of the moon. I think they're on a, a lunar cycle. So she's pregnant. She cries out because of her labor pains and the agony of giving birth. Then there's a large red dragon with seven heads and ten horns, seven crowns on the heads. He, This is Satan. He swept one-third of the stars out of the sky, and he threw them to the earth. That is the original rebellion when Satan, who was once Lucifer, the chief worship leader of heaven, when he rebelled and pride came into his heart, and he rebelled, he was cast down from heaven, and a third of the angels rebelled with him. So that's a third of the stars from the sky. So as she's about to give birth, this dragon is ready to devour her baby as soon as it was born. So there's multiple layers and levels of understanding here. Now that part is actually a remez hint taking us back to the birth of Yeshua. And that when he was born, uh, King Caesar wanted to have him killed because he heard in the scriptures the prophecy that there was going to be a child who would become a king born in Bethlehem. And so he he killed, had all of the children, the three-year-old three and younger, the boys, murdered because he was trying to get to the Messiah. That So he was basically energized and motivated by the spirit of Hasatan in doing that. Verse 5, she gave birth to a son who was to rule all nations with an iron rod, and her child was snatched away from the dragon and was caught up to God and to his throne. That's talking about Yeshua. She gave birth to Yeshua, and he rules the nations with an iron rod. And then, um, you know, after he was crucified, he resurrected, and he gave, he now sits at the right hand of the Father. So continuing on, now the role of the woman is a little bit different. So first, in the first stage or part of this vision, she's giving birth to Yeshua, who is the first fruits of all the resurrected. 
Okay, so now we're going to look at uh, the next part. Then there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and the angels. Um, I want to jump down to, okay, verse 6. The woman fled into the wilderness where God had prepared a place to care for her for 1260 days. Now that is a description in one verse of the greater Exodus. Now the woman, also known as Zion, she represents the end of days remnant of God's people. And they are going to go to a wilderness place that has been prepared for them by God himself. So no, we don't need to go by 20 acres in Idaho and hunker down in isolation in the wilderness somewhere. The Lord has a place prepared for his people when it's time to flee, when we're at that point of the beginning of that 1260-day period. And also it says that this God's prepared the place and he nurtures her. He nurtures her. He takes care of her for, for 1260 days. Let me look in the King James version because in the, uh, this version, I don't like how it reads, but in the King James, it says where God has prepared a place to care for her for 1260 days. So he's provi provided a place and he nourishes her there. Okay. So, and it's, uh, notice the time length. The length of time is 1260 days, three and a half years, 42 months. The tribulation period is not seven years. It's three and a half years. And, and that's where it's laid out. Now I want to look at a cross-reference passage that ties right in with what we just read in Revelation chapter 12, 1 through 6. I want to go to Isaiah chapter 66. And I'm reading from the New King James Version. And I'm going to start in verse 8. We're going to go 8 to 10. Isaiah chapter 66, verses 8 through 10. Who has heard such a thing? Who has seen such things? Shall the earth be made to give birth in one day? Or shall a nation be born at once? For as soon as Zion, that's the name of the nation, was in labor, she gave birth to her children. So this woman in Revelation 12, she gives birth to a nation and her name, she is called Zion. And she's going to give birth to her children in the wilderness. Verse 9, shall I bring to the time of birth and not cause delivery, says the Lord? Shall I cause delivery shut up the shall I who caused delivery shut up the womb, says the Lord? So let me say this in another way. What this is saying is that normally a woman goes through labor and labor pains and then she gives birth. But in this situation that's described here, it's backwards. She gives birth and then she has labor pains afterwards. Because actually what we're seeing and what's being described is two births. She gives birth to Yeshua. And then later, she goes through labor pains because she's going to give birth now to a nation and this nation's name is called Zion. And so um, the labor pains are connected to 
the time known as Jacob's trouble. The labor pains are what we go through during the great tribulation period. That's the birth pangs for the birth of a nation. Similarly, when the Hebrews left Egypt um, and they went through all the plagues and the judgments and then finally on Passover night, they had the Passover and in the morning they picked up and they left. They walked out of Egypt. They became a free nation. It's the picture of the birth of a nation. First they were slaves and then when they left Egypt, now they're a free nation. And so it's the same thing being described in Revelation chapter 12. This is the birth of a nation, and the nation is called Zion. And the nation, uh, you know, Hasatan is going to try and destroy that nation before it ever gives birth. It's a spirit of abortion, a spirit of murder, of trying to, you know, kill the nation before it ever gets a chance to be born. Let's look at Isaiah chapter 66, verse 10. Rejoice with Jerusalem and be glad with her, all you who love her. Rejoice for joy with her, all you who mourn for her. So this nation right now is still in the womb of Egypt, still in the womb of Babylon. This nation is composed of you and me, my friend, all of God's people who are scattered throughout all the nations. And there's going to be a repeat. There was once an exodus where the Hebrews who all lived in one place, they lived in Egypt, God extracted them and brought them out of there. But in the end times, there's going to be another extraction, another redemption. He's going to extract us from all of the nations where we have been scattered and bring us on an exodus journey back home to the land of Israel. He's going to ingather us and bring us all together as one. And so this Revelation passage is describing the greater exodus. It's describing this time when God is going to make it known to his people, it's time to leave, it's time to flee, get out of the city, go out to the wilderness, go to the place that I show you, gather with your mishpokah, and let's begin our exodus journey. And we will be led cloud by day, and pillar of fire by night. Let's come back to Revelation 12 and look at verse 13. When the dragon realized that he had been thrown down to the earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child, but she was given two wings like those of a great eagle, so she could fly to the place prepared for her in the wilderness. So there you go. There's a place that is prepared for her by God, And now she's going to fly there. There she would be cared for, in other words, nourished and protected from the dragon for a time, times, and half a time. What's that? That's 1,260 days. That's three and a half years. That's 42 months. So somehow she, that is us, we are going to fly. We'll be given two wings like an eagle and we'll fly. Now, what does that mean? Will we be translated? Will we literally get on an airplane and fly there? Will we walk through the oceans? I don't know. It's going to be supernatural and it's going to be awesome, whatever it is. And it's a place that God has prepared for her in the wilderness. And there she's, she, we will be protected. We will be provided for. And we'll be there for 42 
months, 1260 days. So Revelation 12 is a, another glimpse, looking at it from another angle of the greater exodus to come. So I hope this has shed some light on this for you. And Heavenly Father, we just thank you that you have a plan and that in the end you win. And as things get darker and darker around us with sin abounding, with crime on the streets, with homelessness, with deception that is so massive. We thank you, Lord, for your, your word, which is the plumb line of truth. We thank you for your word, which is light in our darkness. We thank you, Father, that you have a plan for the end of days and that you've revealed that plan to us for those who seek, for those who search, for those who want to understand. So, Father, make us ready. Make us ready for this greater exodus to come. It will happen on some future Passover, just like the first exodus. We don't know which Passover it will be, but I do believe, Father, that it's going to be soon. So make us ready. Get us ready in our heart, in our spirit. And if there are practical things that we can do to prepare to go on this exodus journey, I pray that you would reveal that to each person listening. Show them, Father, what their tasks are that you would give to them, what their assignment is. If you're calling any to prepare a Goshen, a safe place, if you're calling any to sell a home or sell a business, if you're calling any to take other measures of preparation on a practical level, I pray that you, by your Holy Spirit, will speak to each and every one what you would have them to do to get ready for this journey. For we are not going to be caught unawares. We are not going to be caught by surprise. We know that this is coming. We know that we're in that season. We know that the mark of the beast is coming. It's coming sooner than any would even think. So, Father, make us ready. Prepare us. We thank you for your awesome plan. We thank you for your son. We thank you, Yeshua, that you have a place prepared for us ahead of time in advance and that you're going to translate us there. You're going to get us there, however you do it. And you're going to protect us and nourish us there for 1260 days. Thank you, Abba, for your awesome, awesome plan to ingather your exiles to redeem us, to bring us together as one, under one King, King Yeshua. We love you, we bless you, and we praise you. In Yeshua's name, Amen.
the Aaronic Blessing from Numbers chapter 6, 24 to 26. Adonai bless you and keep you. Adonai make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Adonai lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.